0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Aces Loaded Podcast. I'm Zach Beirutti coming to you this episode from Sutter Health Park in beautiful Sacramento where the Aces are in the midst of a six game series with the Rivercats. Coming up on this episode, we're going to talk with Aces pitcher Ryan Weiss. He'll tell us a little bit about his journey to Reno, some of the obstacles he had to overcome in his personal life as well. Also, our Zach on the Road segment will break down what happened to the trade deadline and how it affected the Aces. We'll get you caught up on some of the player movement and to let you know how some former Aces are doing as they've made their way up to the Diamondbacks in the big leagues. So stick around. We'll chat with Aces pitcher Ryan Weiss next on the Aces Loaded Podcast. Nitro Circus is returning to Greater Nevada Field this summer. Don't miss the high-flying, action-packed show on Sunday, August 22nd at Greater Nevada Field. Visit greaternevadafield.com to get your tickets today. Welcome back to the Aces Loaded Podcast. We're here in Sacramento today as the Aces getting set to wrap up their six-game series with the River Cats. I'm Zach Rudy. I'm joined by Ryan Weiss, Aces pitcher. How you doing, man? Good man. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's a little warm here today, but uh, but we're getting through it.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's Sacramento, so it's always going to be hot. <laughs> a, little, uh, a little less uh, humid than Ohio, I'd imagine. Yeah, Ohio's not really that humid, and it's not 100 degrees. So. <laughs>
0: well let's uh, let's delve in and, and i want to get i want to talk about your family and, and there's a lot of stuff to unpack there but I want to talk about first your your getting into baseball and, and your upbringing how uh How did you get into baseball and at what point in your life did it did it kind of take root with you
1: yeah so in high school I started as like a Freshman year, I feel like that's how most kids are. They're baseball, basketball, football, and then um, sophomore year, I kind of got away from uh, kind of got away from football. It was after my dad had passed, um, but got away from football and then played basketball and uh, baseball. But then in junior year, I think. Everybody that I was playing uh, basketball with, for the most part, every, they all switched over to baseball, like baseball only. And so it was kind of my friend group. I was like, all right, so then we'll just do baseball. So then we all just kind of did baseball. And then um, I wanted to play basketball senior year because I hit my growth spurt and I, was, I wanted to hoop again. But then I, was, I, I talked to one of my coaches and he was like, you're going to go to college for, uh, for baseball or for, for basketball? I was like, well, maybe for baseball sort of deal because I wasn't that good. Yeah. So... Oh, uh, that's kind of, baseball kind of chose me. I didn't really, really choose it, so.
0: How about getting into pitching? That's such a, you know, a, a unique craft, and I think from a young age you you try and develop, you know, how, what you like to throw, and, and you start looking into how you throw curveballs and change-ups and all that, but when did pitching become a love of
1: yours? Yeah, uh, I didn't start pitching until my junior year of high school, so once I did that, I started gaining some velo here and there, and then, uh it was. I had a really good summer going into my going into my freshman year of college. I didn't know where I was going to go yet, mm-hmm. but um, had a, a couple of good outings and then uh, got some inter- interest from Wright State, and that's ultimately where I ended up going. But I mean, Wright State, we now we win a lot, and it's yeah. it's a great it's a great great place to be as a, as a baseball player. But I mean, the, the way they recruited then was they just recruited a lot of like athletic kids that could potentially be a really good baseball player, but it was they wanted to kind of mold athletes into being a baseball player, and I definitely fit that mold. I mean, I wasn't that good of a baseball player in high school. I mean, I hadn't even hit 90 while I was in high school. I didn't do it until, after my senior year. So yeah, Wright's State was was great to me. I was in Stockton for a number of years and I ran into Sean Murphy
0: who who came up through the A's system is now you know the, the A's number one catcher. But um, you know I, I would imagine if a if a program produces a guy like that they're they're doing something right.
1: Yeah they uh, he got drafted in what twenty sixteen I think. Twenty sixteen so that was my freshman year I was hurt so I only got to throw to him in the fall because I got hurt in the spring. But I mean he's he's incredible. I mean even my freshman year we were like Murph's gonna he's going to be something. And we didn't know what it was cuz he had some injuries here and there. But um yeah, I mean, obviously, he's killing it out. He's a big league catcher. He's a starting catcher. Like you said, he's their number one. They and they're doing really well, so it's been really fun to watch him.
0: How about this year for you? You know, you started in Amarillo. Uh you were in visalia in 19. I saw you pitch there a little bit. Um what was it like getting a mid-season call up to Triple A and, and did you anticipate it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was different cuz I uh I was a starter for most of the season in Amarillo and then um, I got moved to the bullpen for like two weeks and then I got called up, so it was pretty cool getting called up. I mean, promotions are never guaranteed. I mean, they're they're few and very far between. Um, I mean, think, like I, like you said, I was in high A and then got prom- I got sent to A out of spring training, but then after that there's only two promotions left, so being able to get to AAA, it's really cool and just being able to be here with these guys and play with a lot of people that I've never played with before. It's been really cool, been really cool.
0: You've worked almost exclusively as a starter your entire career. With, with Reno, you've come out of the bullpen eight appearances so far. What what's what's the difference been uh, mentally for you in, in having to go from from being a starter to, to working out of the pen?
1: Yeah, being a starter, it's it's much easier because you know when you're going to pitch. <laughs> um, out of the bullpen, obviously, you have no idea, but. I mean, as you said, we're going to get into my story a little bit here in a little bit here. But um, my whole life has been kind of like a reaction. It's something's happened, and then what do you do to in, as a uh, to follow that right? And so that's kind of how the bullpen is. It's like all right, you got to be ready, and then react. Your name gets called, react, go, go pitch in either the seventh or the tenth or whatever it may be. And so that's I think it's it's been really good for me. So. Tell us a little bit about your stuff and, and your repertoire and, and what you like to throw and, and what you like to throw in certain situations. Yeah, so I have fastball, curveball, slider, changeup, and then honestly whatever count depends on the hitter, depends on scouting reports. It, it could vary on every hitter, every count, so I hopefully my fastball is there that day, so hopefully all my off-speed is. That's not how it always is, but um, yeah, hopefully I have everything in the tank that day.
0: Is there a secondary pitch that, that you is a favorite of yours and you
1: like to lean on in certain situations? like I said it just depends on on what the hitter's showing me it depends what his swings are showing me it depends what the catcher sees throughout that day and through the scouting report so it really does does vary
0: what's what if someone asks you what's your secondary pitch
1: that's like your plus plus what would what would you identify maybe slider maybe I mean, we're trying to get it there like i said i it, it just varies. Hopefully, I can have as much confidence in every pitch for that situation. Again, we're talking with with uh, Ryan Weiss, which
0: is a real tough name to say for a kid from Boston here on the Aces Loaded podcast. Ryan Weiss, uh, South Elgin, Ohio. Take us into South Elgin and, and what that environment is like.
1: Yeah, so that's where I grew up, South Elgin. Um, it, it was cool. I got to play um, for the Kane County Cougars back in 2019. I uh, spent some time there in low a, and so it was like – 20 minutes from where I grew up, so it was great, but um, yeah, I mean, we don't have a ton of guys that, have, that are in pro ball from that area. Um, I know another kid, Ryan Newtough, he's he's with the Reds. Um, he's been doing really well too, but not many of us, so ho- trying to hold it down for us.
0: <laughs> well, let's get into your family a little bit, and uh, you have a very unique story, and, and a lot of you maybe have heard it, um, but your dad took his own life when you were uh, 14. Uh, what, was, what was that it's silly to say it's such a simple question what was that like for you
1: yeah I mean it was tough I mean you know when you're 14 you don't expect anything like that to happen so um like I said it happened and I had to I had to learn how to grow up at a, at a young age and I had to figure out how to slowly become a man I, like I said I don't know if I was ready for it at that age I don't know how many 14 year olds are but um I had to figure it out uh, I had to. Had to be there for my family i mean i know i was only 14 but i mean that was the father figure in my life and so um from that i've learned so much though and if it wasn't for that i definitely don't think i'd be here today so it's it was i think for me it was great i mean because my story is very unique and it's it's really really powerful too so for me i mean i don't i wish i didn't have to go through that to learn what i have now but um i mean i it's, it's it was a huge blessing to to be able to learn what i have through all that adversity i lost my dad when i was twenty seven
0: um, and it was it was expected in a short window but unexpected for me to lose my dad at, at sixty-four And I remember, I remember he was you know going to pass away and and he wondered out loud like how people would remember him and i one of the favorite questions that people might ask me is hey what was your dad like so i'll ask you like, what was your dad like because i feel like when i answer that i'm giving him you know, I'm still giving him a little bit of life and, and, yeah. and, and allowing people to see him through a prism of love and, and, you know,
1: what he gave me. But what was your dad like? He, he was a 12-year-old living inside of a 50, 50-year-old man's body. He was He was just a big kid. Um, he coached me in, in anything, I mean, whether it was baseball, basketball, football, no matter what, whatever he could coach me, and he did. Um, him and I had a great relationship. I mean, my parents were divorced, so it was a great way for him and I to still stay connected because we. I played sports so much. I played it was every day for the whole year for the most part. Obviously, you had practices that you didn't have here and there, but... No, he was, he was awesome, he, was, he taught me how to have fun, he was incredibly, incredibly outgoing. I mean, if he met someone in the elevator, he wouldn't have their number within like five minutes. It was, so that's just how he was, and, and so yeah, that's, I definitely got some of that from him. Sounds like a little bit of my dad too, just
0: very soulful and, and outgoing. Uh, do you recognize now some of the characteristics and qualities of yourself that, that your dad may have had? Oh, you're good. <laughs> Jake McCarthy making it, Cam. You're fine. I'm You're sorry, fine. No You're good, dude. You're good. Uh, are there any qualities that you, that you kind of know, you know, within yourself that that belong to him?
1: Yeah, definitely. Just being very upbeat, being being very positive. I know it sounds kind of because he did take his own life but for um, for the, for, the mo- for most of his life he was incredibly positive always happy and so just trying to take that I mean I want him I want people to remember him kind of through me too I want I want to be the life of his name too that's why I, I say all the time I want to make his name greater than it ever was and I mean that's not easy to do mm-hmm. but I mean that's what I'm trying to do so
0: you uh, you lost your mom a few years later you were a junior at Wright State. she had lupus right? Um, and and she she passed away from from complications uh, related to lupus, and you had to help try and give her CPR. And, and I mean, for all you'd been through before, that that obviously is another huge hurdle. Um, you know, what was what was that experience like to to be in it and then ultimately get through it?
1: Yeah, at that time I was what 21, I think I was or or I was yeah I had just turned 21. So. Again, yeah, I was still fairly young i mean when you when you go through something like that at fourteen it seems like you 're a lot older i yeah. mean, and even when you bring up your dad passing at twenty seven like that 's still at a young age mm-hmm. and so i uh it sucked i mean it, it was terrible, um, but I had so much experience going through loss from my dad, and because they were both very sudden passings it wasn 't like it wasn 't like a cancer where it was just you just see your um your family relative or whoever it may be dwindling down sort of deal it was she was she was great i mean she was incredibly lively she was always having a ton of fun and so for for me dealing with that i just kind of knew i'm like you know what i was gonna go i was obviously in college my sister was about to go off to college too and for me it was just like a almost like a realization, like this is i mean this is god's plan i mean at that point in my life um that's the most present god was in in, was in my life and obviously he's even even more now so but um i mean god was able to help me through that friends and family and they were tremendous through that time too but yeah i mean it 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 did suck i mean but i've learned so much through that and i've had to grow up and do a bunch of things differently than i would have done if she was here but Like I said, I mean, if it wasn't for stuff like that, I wouldn't be the person I am today. And I don't know who I would have been if that wasn't the case, but I don't have to worry about that because this is God's plan for me, and and I'm not going to question it.
0: You're a big advocate of mental health and I feel like that's something that is stigmatized for men. Uh, I feel like, you know, as, as, as boys growing up and then eventually as men, you know, we're taught to power through and, you know, you take these things on your shoulders and you, you get through them and you don't show any signs of weakness. Why, why, is, why is it like that? For, for men and in, in, in your journey and what you've discovered about mental health and, and mental health awareness?
1: Yeah, I think it's because we're supposed to be tough. We're supposed to be the tough guys. We're supposed to not let anything bother us. And and going along with the stigma, with the stereotype is that women are supposed to be the criers and all that. It's like, you know what? You don't have to cry to be weak. I mean, there's so many guys. I'm I'm sure you can go around the clubhouse or go around and ask fans today at the game. I mean, Everyone's got something going on no matter how you show it. Everybody has something going on and so just understanding that if someone has like a bad day like understand whatever they're showing you is probably not what's wrong with them. There's probably something beneath that and so for me I mean obviously what's happened in my life has kind of given me a little bit of a platform to be able to talk about this stuff and and, and it has. But. If I didn't react the way I did from those passings, then I wouldn't have a platform. If I chose to go to drugs or chose to go to drink, I wouldn't be able to have this platform. And so that's what I want people to know is that if something like that happens, you can seek out therapy. You can seek out friends and family. It doesn't have to be a therapist. It doesn't have to be a guidance counselor in high school. It can be a friend. It can be someone that you trust. But understand that when you have those conversations with those people, understand that you have to trust them and make sure that they trust you because if there's no trust there, then then what are you really doing? What sparked you to to, to seek help and to
0: seek something to lean on and someone to lean on?
1: I just knew I couldn't do it all on my own. I, I did, there was just no way, no 14-year-old, no 21-year-old. I mean, even now, no 24-year-old can do this on their own. They're not supposed to. That's why you see, I mean, I'm about to, I'm, I'm engaged, I'm about to get married. Like, I, can, I can't do this on my own. Thank you. But yeah, I can't do it on my own. I, I need her. She's, in terms of uh, talk, when we're talking about Christ, talking about the Lord, like, that's unity. That's what's. That's what God wants us. We're not supposed to live life alone. And so understanding that having him at the forefront of our relationship and then us doing everything together in unity, that's what, it, that's what life is supposed to look like, not, not yourself pushing people away.
0: When you advocate for mental health, obviously you, you have reason to do it for yourself and for your own well-being, but I'd imagine some of that is also related to your dad and maybe mm-hmm. thinking that he could have had some help and, and gotten through that is Is that accurate me saying that
1: yeah I mean it it's no it's no um what's the term it's no stranger to to say that he was struggling with that I mean obviously he committed suicide and so um I didn't know that he was like mentally weak at the time I mean that it, it sounds bad of me to say but that's what the truth is and so and understanding that he was mentally weak and that's what his decision was because when the suicide that that's a that's a choice you know I mean when someone passed away from cancer like they didn't choose to have cancer <laughs> and so when someone makes a choice like that you can only you can only imagine that they had a lot of other choices along the way and so I didn't want that to ever happen to me I, I don't want to be the tough guy and not seek help because I think I think personally even with guys on the team I am their help sometimes it's like I know I have buddies that come to me for things and it's like I'm not a therapist by any means I am not certified in, in any way for that but you know what if, if that's what helps them then I'm glad that I can help them.
0: What would you tell someone, especially a, a, another man or a teammate, that came to you and said, "Hey, I, I might need help"? How would you, how would you move them forward in that?
1: I would just first and foremost thank them for for having the courage and and having the trust in me to to help them because I think that's the hardest thing is going to someone and being vulnerable to say, "Hey." Can you help me with this? Like, it takes so much for someone just to have that quote unquote, quote unquote, like first date, like with a therapist. It, it, like, you only want a second date, right? You, you just want them to come back because you want to help them. And you're not gonna, if you, as you learn through therapy, you're not gonna have a the whole problem or the whole uh, the problem or the whole thing that you're going through, whatever it may be, isn't gonna happen in a week. It's just not. And so it takes time. And so understanding that it does take time and it takes energy and it's gonna. It's going to be exhausting. Those are all things that you should understand and realize before going to it. Do your homework, you know. Just have, have some knowledge about it going, going into it before you do, and then you'll be a lot lot better suited for it.
0: Those are such wise words. Uh, before I let you go, what, do you have any goals the rest of season on the season on the baseball
1: field? I mean, I just want to keep, keep having fun, keep, keep doing my thing. I mean, these guys are these guys are great. Um, being able to learn from them each and every day. This is a new level for me, like I said, and, and I'm no stranger to that. It's I don't owe the game anything, so I'm just going to put it in God's hands and hopefully and he'll do what he wants to do. So, Thank you for your
0: vulnerability. Thank you for being an advocate and, and sharing your story. I know it's going to help a lot of people, and, and best of luck uh, moving forward on the field uh, the rest of the year, man. Appreciate you.
1: Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. That's Ryan
0: Weiss. We'll be back uh, with Zach on the Road and to close out the Aces Loaded podcast after this. In conjunction with the Washoe County Health District, the Aces are thrilled to announce to fans that capacity at Greater Nevada Field has returned to 100%. Tickets for the remainder of the season are currently on sale at renoaces.com or by texting T-I-X-X to the number 21003. Are you all in for ace ball? Welcome back to the Aces Loaded Podcast. This is Zach on the road. And in this edition, we'll talk about How the Aces roster was affected at the trade deadline in July uh, by moves made to the Diamondbacks uh, at and prior to the trade deadline. And we'll start in early July where the D-backs acquired Keegan Curtis from the Yankees in exchange for Tim LeCastro. Keegan earned his first Aces save on July 31st and he's fashioned a 2.08 ERA. Uh, over his first five appearances with Reno, which is very, very good, especially in Triple-A West, a very tough league in which to pitch. Uh, Just prior to the deadline, the D-backs sent Eduardo Escobar to the Brewers, and part of the package the D-backs got in return was Cooper Hummel, who hit for the cycle in his second game with the Aces right here on July 31st in Sacramento. Cooper was originally drafted by Milwaukee out of the University of Portland. He's a Pacific Northwest kid, Uh, and his versatility is a huge asset as he catches and he'll play the outfield, so you'll see him play all over the. Diamond. Kind of like a guy you might know, Dalton Varsho, who by the way is back in Arizona and heating up. Dalton homered in three straight games from July 21st to July 24th and he's raised his average 50 points in that span. So great to see Dalton Varsho doing great things with the Diamondbacks. Also congrats to Drew Ellis who made his Major League debut on July 30th versus the Dodgers and in that game he also collected his first big league hit. So congratulations to Drew. A reminder, uh, the upcoming homestand versus Tacoma will get underway on Thursday the 5th. Uh, that will feature Thirsty Thursday to get it started. Also, Fireworks Friday, and that'll take us into a Margaritaville Saturday. If you want to find out more about those promotions, especially Margaritaville, uh, visit RenoAces.com, and there you can also get uh, tickets for the upcoming homestand. The Aces are going to be gone for 12 after this homestand, so you want to make sure you get out to Greater Nevada Field while the guys are in town. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Aces Loaded. Thanks again to Ryan Weiss for joining us. I'm Zach Rudy and we'll see you next time.